Welcome to Work and the Future, a podcast about tomorrow, with your host, Linda Nazareth. Well, hello, and thank you for joining us today. You know, these days, being in the workplace is a stressful thing. We know that mental health is an issue and that people are dealing with all kinds of stresses from outside the workplace and increasingly from within it as well. According to Gallup, 76% of employees in the U.S. experience burnout at least sometimes, so it's three out of four workers. Now, it might help if people took some time off, but that doesn't always happen. People are better at taking time in Europe, maybe, but in Canada and the U.S., it's a lot less common to take all your vacation. And with remote work, you have the extra problem of people feeling like they can never be off. Well, my guest today has spent some time looking at the issue of burnout, and he thinks things would improve if organizations force people to take vacation. His name is Joe Allen, and he's the VP of Product and Operations at Compt, which is an employee stipend program. He wrote a piece on this subject that I saw in Quartz, the online magazine, and I thought his insights on this issue were really interesting, especially since he comes from the tech sector, where the culture doesn't always support taking time away from work. I had a great discussion with Joe. Please stay with us to hear it. Well, should organizations impose mandatory vacations? To talk about why maybe they should, I'm joined today by Joe Allen. He's Vice President of Product and Operations at Compt. Joe, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Linda. You know, there's so much to talk about here because the idea of mandatory vacation seems a little bit weird, I think, to people. Um, before we even get to that, tell me a little bit about Compt and about your career, how you ended up there. Yeah, yeah. So Compt is a stipend management platform. We help companies basically offer personalized perks, personalized stipends. What that essentially means is in kind of what we say the old days, companies used to offer, you know, gym memberships, beer, coffee, different kind of, you know, daycare different individual benefits to employees. But what we say is, you know, you should treat employees like adults. You know, if, you know, one employee instead of a gym membership wants to buy running shoes, if one employee doesn't drink coffee, drinks tea instead, you know, you should leave it up to them to decide. So we help companies administer these stipends where, for example, you can have $100 a month towards your health and wellness and you use it as you see fit. You can have $1,000 towards your professional development. You decide what is best for your own professional development. Um, we have all these different use cases, cell phone, internet, health and wellness, student loan repayment, and so on. And the goal is really to you know, create inclusivity and personalization for employee benefits. Interesting. So is this mostly in the tech sector? Yep. Um, we have a large majority of our customers in the tech sector, but we actually have companies across all different industries, all different sizes. Um, we support, you know, hospitals. We even have like a railroad manufacturing company, um, some, um, you know, restaurant companies, um, agencies. So really it's, you know, any, any industry, any employer that's trying to be competitive, trying to attract, retain talent, engage their employees, and really just find a way to stand out um, in their benefits offerings. Okay, so you're trying to help them give them more in terms of benefits, more money. But, you know, the real thing for people now, and you mentioned healthcare and certainly tech, is people work a lot of hours, right? And that is, uh, I don't say it's the norm, but it's not unusual at all. Mm -hmm. Do you think there is awareness of this and, you know, feeling that maybe it's too much or has it become accepted? 
I think it, it largely depends. I think there's some employers who are starting to really lean into, you know, the, the human experience and making sure that, you know, you're not pushing employees to work, you know, 80 hour work weeks, nights, weekends, um, and knowing that people have lives outside of work. Um, but at the same time, I think there's still a really large population of employers who kind of don't care. You know, what the bottom line is the bottom line. And whoever wants to subscribe to helping achieve that, you know, stay on board. Whoever doesn't, see you later. Um, and I was actually guilty of that, you know, in my when I started my own company before comp. <laughs> I'm happy to dive into that a little bit as well. Well, you know, it, sometimes it's voluntary, sometimes it isn't. I kind of think we almost need to talk about Twitter, but maybe we shouldn't talk about it. Um, <laughs> you know, there's two kind of viewpoints there. One is that you have to let people have balance, you get the right people, and you don't force them to work all these hours. The other is that, no, you know, this is part of what it is. Let's leave that for a bit and say, do you think in general, there are a lot of toxic work cultures out there? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I I really do. I think, um, you know, I've witnessed it working in kind of the, you know, the Boston kind of startup scene for, for a while now. I've seen kind of, and working in co-working spaces, I think there's always a a really cool um, and maybe not cool, but very interesting dynamic of when you have, you know, a hundred different startup companies working in the same space, you can, and, you know, because at that time I was one of those people who were there until midnight, you know, and like, you know, five, seven days a week, sometimes I would see, you know, a certain population of people, like the whole company doing the same thing. They were they were all, you know, logging you know, 80 plus hours a week. And then you would see, you know, other companies, you know, 5, 6 p.m., the whole company left. Um, and you would see kind of just the different dynamics within the different teams, you know, how, you know, energized people were just generally um, to be doing what they were doing. So I still think there's a large population of, you know, startups especially who think you know this is the only way you have to work this much in order to succeed um but then i I think positively there's been a lot of awareness of like you know what you can be successful without killing yourself you can be successful without you know you know just kind of having work be everything for every employee well, the thing is, you get to a point where you're not getting productivity from them, right? You just have a lot of burnt out employees. Maybe they hate you. Maybe they don't hate you, but they're not doing their best work. So if you want to avoid that, having a lot of burnt out people, what are the signs you should be looking for? Yeah, I think um, it's as easy sometimes as seeing like, you know, how excited people are to be doing what they're doing, how they are when you're kind of in meetings with them. Um, I remember in my one-on-ones with my employees, I used to ask, you know, what are you excited about? What are you looking forward to? And sometimes there, when it was like, you know, a true slog, they'd be like, you know, I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure. Everything just kind of feels like the same. Um, you know, asking employees, you know, like what's going on outside of work, you know, whatever, you know, they're willing to share. Um, but sometimes you get certain signs of like, you know, nothing's really going on outside of work because all I do is work. You know, that's a big red flag right there. Um you can see just general people's um, attention to detail if they're, you know, dropping the ball on certain tasks and things like that. You can see performance decline, you know, pretty pretty easily when you start, you know, having people just be overworked and not have, you know, balance in their lives. You've talked about mandating time office and you've written about this. You are in favor of that? 
I, I am. I am if it's necessary. You know, I think uh, the, the example, it happened to me first. I was mandated to take time off. Um, basically, when I first joined Compt, um, Amy Sperling, our CEO, um, during the, the offer process, she, she was actually, she worked in that same co-working space that I described while I was working on my own, you know, startup at the time. And she saw that I was basically always that I basically lived in this co-working space, went home to sleep, came back the next day, like that's it. Um, and when I was, you know, transitioning over the comp, Amy was like, well, I know you work a lot. You're a really hard worker, but we don't do nights and weekends here at comp. And I was like, no way. Like, what do you mean you don't do nights and weekends? If you're an early stage startup, that's the norm. That's the way to do it. Um, she goes, that's not the culture we're building. Um, the two core components of comps, you know, culture are balance and belonging. And in this case, kind of balance is the, the important one here. Uh, she's like, you know, not only is it no nights and weekends, it's, you know, I want you to take at least three weeks of PTO per year. Um, and she's like, that's the culture I want to build. Like, we don't have to build this kind of toxic productivity, hustle, grind, you know, every day, everything's on fire all the time. Um, we don't do that here. I was like, okay, let me, let me, let me see if I can get adjusted to this. Um, so about, about six months in, um, I maybe took like a day or two off <laughs> and Amy, Amy met with me. Um, and she goes, I need to, you need, it's like, do you have time off plan? And I was like, no, not really. It was the middle of the pandemic. And I said, you know, I don't really, you know, I don't have any vacations planned. You know, we're in quarantine, so on and so forth. She's like, you still need to take time off to disconnect. Um, and she goes, and if you don't choose a week by the end of what is October, you know, I'll choose one for you. Um, and she was, you know, she was, it wasn't, it was like all in favor of me just taking some space for myself. I had just, you know, joined this company. I was, you know, onboarded, I was taking on a lot of responsibility and I needed breathing room. So we chose a week, I took the time off and I felt so much better for it. Um, I was like, oh, that's, that's what you're supposed to do. This is a healthy work-life balance. And, you know, since then I've been, you know, encouraging my own team to do it. I've been taking more time off myself. Um, and, you know, I think if you are like if you're seeing your employees not taking enough time off, if you're seeing they're burnt out, if you're seeing they keep pushing themselves and pushing themselves and going like, maybe I'll think of some time in a few months from now, or maybe, you know, like, oh, there's no need. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. Usually when you start seeing those kind of patterns of conversation, that's like, why don't you can even say like, why don't you start like, why don't you take next Monday off? And I think by giving very specific suggestions, it's easier than saying like, you go find, you know, why don't you take, you know, some time off in the next couple of months? It's if someone's not, you know, really eager to do that, you can say, you know what, it would be a really good time if you took these two days, these three days this week, and almost make it a, a strong suggestion. Um, but if that doesn't work, ultimately, it's, you know, it's like, hey, you haven't taken time off in, in months, like, take this time, like, really, like, um, you're, you're, you're basically at that point saying, like, you must take this time off and people are always happier for it when they come back. It's interesting because there's actual evidence, right? That, you know, people who take time off are better. They're more productive that, you know, human beings don't give their best when they're working flat out. Yeah. I think, I think even an example when, when I was working kind of crazy hours myself, you know, I would find that I was getting in arguments with my co-founders more I was finding that my patience was thinner. I was finding that I was like forgetting to do certain things. 
Um, and it's like, it doesn't have to be this way. Um, and I, I've even seen across my own team, you know, if like, as soon as people kind of come back, like I manage both kind of product engineering, but also um, customer success. So I see the ways that my customer success team responds to customers. And when people come back from vacations and when they're refreshed and recharged and ready to go, um, they are more patient with customers and they are more positive and customers will give us praise for that. Um, and what I, what I even encourage on kind of a day-to-day practice is, you know, like I always ask, like, can this wait until tomorrow? You know, it's five, six o'clock. It's, you know, time to, time to wind down and maybe a couple of customer issues come up. And people, the the tendency is like, we got to jump on this. We got to resolve this right now. But most of the time, almost everything can wait a day. Like if if this customer doesn't get a response today, is it the end of the world? Does anything negative actually happen? And a lot of times people have these narratives in their head um, that like, oh, I have to respond to this before my day ends or something bad will happen. But 99% of the time, nothing will happen. And customers will be happy if you take the time to be patient, think about your response, and actually solve their issue that way. All right. So say you're an organization that's bought into this. You think that people need to be away from the workplace more, and you want to you know, formalize that. What are the things you need to do? Yeah. What I would say is start off with a certain amount of PTO you want your employees to take each year. So for example, at Compt, we say three weeks. You should take at least three weeks of PTO per year. Um, and then I think the most important thing is to enable managers. You know, you can have, you know, top down from the CEO come up with this, you know, policy, but if managers aren't really leaning into that and aren't equipped to have the conversations with their employees, um, it's not really going to go anywhere. And also managers, leadership, you have to do it too. You know, I can't say to my team, take three weeks of PTO a year, and then I don't take any myself, they're going to say like, oh, you're just saying that. So you have to be a role model for that as well. Um, What we do here is, you know, managers understand that this is a super important value at Compt. It's completely part of our company culture. So in regular check-ins, you know, whether there be, you know, weekly one-on-one or more broad quarterly check-in, we evaluate like how much time have you taken off for the last few months? Do you need a vacation? Do you need a vacation? Do you need a vacation? And we make it a part of these recurring conversations so that everyone always has it top of mind. Um, even in our weekly updates, you know, each kind of member of the leadership team sends a weekly update to the team. We highlight who's taking time off. And we're like, oh, you know, Mary's taking this week off. Like, yay, we're super excited. Um, and when people kind of come back, it's like, oh, welcome back. We hope you had an awesome time off. And when people take time off, we also make it a habit, like try not to send them any emails. Um, Definitely not send them any Slack messages. Make it easy for people to take time off. Oftentimes, people think that they're going to feel so far behind if they take time off. And it has to be a really intentional decision across the team to respect and have boundaries when people are taking time off. Um, And make sure you have enough staff to allow for that. You know, if you don't have any redundancy on the team, you know, it becomes more difficult. So that's a question, you know, if you're the only, let's say customer success representative on the team, how do you take time off? If like who covers for you when you, you know, need time away. So that might not be a thing you can do day one as an early stage company. Maybe it is like, Hey, um, you make a company policy, like, Hey, the company shut down this week. 
we'll get back to you as soon as we're back. And that's, that's okay. Um, but over time, developing kind of processes and systems so that people have redundancy, so people know that if they take time off, they won't be completely bombarded when they come back. Over time, that has been super helpful here. Do you have an opinion, though, on the uh, unlimited time off policies that some companies try at Netflix? Do they still have that? You know, that was their thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we even have that at Compt. Um, it's, it's unlimited. Some companies say unlimited. Some companies say flexible. I think generally it it's it gives employers a lot of peace of mind. You just say like take as much time off as you need, as long as you know this is an important caveat. As long as you're performing, you know, and I think oftentimes the companies who do have that policy say it, but then they don't follow through to encourage it. It's almost like I think there's been studies where people who have unlimited time off, employees wind up taking less time off. Um, so I think if you're going to have a policy like that, you have to be really, really intentional and in encouraging it and making sure it actually happens. Um, that's why like, it was strange to me. It's like minimum of three weeks time off a year. When I first heard that, I'm like, can you do that? Like, can you force someone to take time off? It was like kind of a foreign concept to me. Um, but I've seen companies that have like the two weeks or even like the 15 days or something like that you know, and having it accrue, like it does create some complexity. And then a lot of people will try to just stockpile it and then like cash it out at some mm. point. Um, so I think, I think an unlimited policy does work for many organizations. Um, again, with that caveat that you have to have measures to encourage it. What about like encouraging three-day work weekends or like smaller amounts of time because some companies have gone back and forth on this right it used to be yep. it was okay to take a half day no no it's not okay to half day take at least one day or multiple days yeah. yeah i think um i think a lot of companies um throughout the pandemic kind of introduced you know like mental health days or like one day off per month um and that's kind of a, a philosophy that i've gravita gravitated towards it's like it's good to have at least like one vacation whether it's an existing federal holiday or a company one a time where the whole company disconnects together so that you don't feel pressure. Like, you know, sometimes if you're the only one who takes time off, there's a little bit of FOMO. Like you're like, Oh, everyone else is working this day. Like maybe I'm going to miss something. But if you're very intentional and say, you know what, everyone at the company is going to have this day off. Um, I think it, it really does help in terms of, you know, other kind of creative ways customers have encouraged um, sorry, not customers, but employers have created more balance in their workplace is things like, you know, summer Fridays. Um, that's common across a couple of different industries, but basically from sometimes like I think June, June to August, you know, um, there's like half day Fridays um, or every other Friday you can take off um, and different kind of creative ways like that, that are company wide allow people to, allow people not to feel bad that like they're the only one and like if it becomes a company policy and everyone's doing it you kind of you know it just it just happens you know and and people feel feel better for it um in terms of just generally like half days and things like that i think the most important thing is just allowing flexibility in hours you know like if someone has a doctor's appointment or an errand that they need to run maybe you know a kid gets sick or you know they just they just need some time to disconnect for any reason, um, you know, allowing, allowing to make that, you know, easy. It doesn't have to be a whole process to request time off in advance. Like something, you can't predict life, you know, things happen in life. 
And so trusting your employees to say, all right, well, if you do need to run there and if you do need to take time off and you know do what you have to do, make sure you have measures in place to still kind of do what you need to do for your your job. So sometimes, you know, like I'm a I'm a runner. So sometimes I'll go for a long run in the middle of the day and then I'll work, you know, a little bit later that day. And that that makes me feel much better, especially during the winter months when I don't want to run in complete darkness after work. You know, being able to, you know, have that, you know, hour or so earlier in the day and then just kind of tag tag on that to the end of my day. Um, that flexibility goes a long way for for everyone, whatever stage of life you're in. Well, it's interesting that you've changed your views on this. You've become more flexible about it. I have to ask you about what's going on in the tech sector. Obviously, lots of layoffs, hopefully not a lot more, but certainly continuing a bit longer. Do you think this will be a setback in terms of you know the thinking? Will we move back to the everyone has to work a ton of hours culture, assuming we've moved away from that at all? Yeah, I think I think we've made progress for sure. There's more conversations about it, especially, you know, throughout the pandemic and as people have shifted towards working from home. Um, aside from the layoffs that are happening, um, there's also this push for return to the office. So yeah, these two things sure. are kind of mm-hmm. these two things are happening at once. And I think both are creating you know, tension for employers and employees everywhere. Um, in terms of in regards to PTO, I think I don't actually think this is going to be you know a huge setback necessarily. I think that the layoffs that are happening aren't you know largely performance based, or they're not they're not because people aren't working enough hours or anything like that. It's because companies maybe overhired and overpromised and hired too many people, and they're just bracing themselves for for impact in the, in the next year or so. Um, companies aren't, you know, shifting their company cultures because of the layoffs, at least as far as I can see so far. I think the return to the office is creating a lot of tension with employees. You know, a lot of employees are like, wait, you know, it's been two, almost three years that I've been working from home. This has been great. Effectively. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, I've been a high performer. I've gotten promoted throughout this time and everything. And now you want me to go to the office three days a week. Um, it's like, I don't want to do that. So I think that's creating tension where, you know, employees are struggling to keep flexibility, but also create time for kind of in-person interactions as well. And I don't have the answers there. Comp is fully remote. Um, I actually, I moved out to the suburbs, um, outside of Boston. I'm about an hour away now. So if we all of a sudden, you know, had a downtown office in Boston, you know, that would be that would be difficult. I'd spend, you know, two hours plus a day commuting um, and that would just be a completely different change of, of lifestyle for me that, you know, it'd be a tough pill to swallow. And I think a lot of employees are facing that. Um whether employers kind of counter that with more flexible PTO, it's like, sure, here you have to come to the office two days a week now, but also unlimited PTO. I haven't really seen much of that, um, but I'm, I'm kind of waiting and seeing. Across our customer base, you know, we work with a lot of employers. Um, I still see very common unlimited PTO policies and then incentives to get people back into the office for those who are trying. Um, but I have seen very little of everyone's going back into the office. Let's see what happens the next year or two. Joe, thank you so much for talking to me today. 
Yeah, thank you for having me. Great conversation. Joe Allum is Vice President of Product and Operations at Comp. Well, that's it for today. If you'd like to know more about Joe and his work, please take a look at our show notes and you'll find some links there. If you'd like to connect with me, I'm on Twitter at at Relentless Eco. Now, if you did like this conversation about the future of work, please take a moment and leave a rating or review. That will really help people find us and we can keep these conversations going. Thank you so much for listening. And thanks as always to Stokely Audio for audio production. To learn more about work and the future and to see show notes, go to the workandthefuturepodcast.com. You can also contact us at comments at the workandthefuturepodcast.com. The Work in the Future podcast with Linda Nazareth is a relentless economics production.